message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. first preach of 2012. You are in a very whooping mood this morning, it seems. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a new year. Maybe it's the year of the whoop or something. Maybe I'll get some amens at strategic points during my preach. I even heard a hallelujah there. Goodness me. My life. And uh, this morning what I want us to do is to look at God's word together and I want to preach a message that I'm trusting will serve us and encourage us as we move into a week of prayer and fasting, which Kevin has already spoken of this morning. We're going to look at some scripture together. We're going to discuss the practicalities of praying and particularly fasting. We're going to outline the week ahead. And importantly, what I want to do is challenge and raise your expectations of this week. So I don't know if you spent much time thinking about this week ahead or preparing for it. I don't know if you thought what God might do. But as I've prepared this week, I've been stirred by God, I believe, to believe him for more during this week of prayer and fasting. And what I want to do is to raise your expectations. Because I've got a faith that God's going to do some significant things this week. I believe as we gather as a church in different settings during the course of the week and all together on Sunday evening next, I'm trusting that God's going to do something in us. And it's not so much about asking him for a set of things, although there are some things we're going to pray for, and I'll talk about those a little bit later this morning. I'm trusting that God's going to do something in us. And what I want to do this morning as we open the word of God together is to raise your expectations and stir your faith. So if you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm just going to hear a nice message this morning, it may or may not be nice, but what I'm praying for is not that, but rather that God will do something and he will stir your faith and raise your expectations. Is that okay? Some of you clearly aren't sure about that. (laughs) But I'm I'm trusting that's what God wants to do this morning and uh, I'm hoping that that will serve us as uh, we spend some time praying together this week. I'm also going to share some personal illustrations that I'm trusting will serve you and help us together. So that's where we're going. Let's pray and then we'll open God's word together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your hand on us. Jesus, we thank you for all that you're doing amongst us. And we pray now as we look at your word together that you would stir our hearts, that you would uh, stir our faith, and that you would raise our expectations as we engage with you now, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, my title for this morning's message, if you're making notes, this is your title. It is, Perhaps the Most Significant Prayer Meeting Ever? Question mark. That's my title. Perhaps the Most Significant Prayer Meeting Ever? Do you want to find out where it is? Next Sunday. That's the second most significant prayer meeting ever. The first most significant prayer meeting ever, I think certainly it would come in the top five, is in Acts 13. So if you've got your Bibles with you, maybe you'd like to turn please to Acts 13. We'll read a few verses together. 
I'm sure that some of you are going to come to me after to say, Graham, that wasn't the most significant prayer meeting ever. How about the one in Acts 2? Or how about the one somewhere else? And Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to die on the hill of the most significant prayer meeting ever. But what I do want to say is this was a very significant time as the church gathered here in Acts 13 in Antioch. And as we read these verses and look at it together, I'm trusting that God will stir our hearts for what he wants to do with us this week. Okay, it says this, Acts 13, verse 1. In the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mannion, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And we'll leave it there, just those few verses. Okay, there's six things that I believe we can see in these few verses here in Acts 13. And we'll spend just a few moments looking at those. Number one is, the church had gathered to pray. There's some debate in the commentaries as to uh, who the word they refers to. It says in verse 2, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting. And whilst we're told particularly the names of certain leaders in the church there, most commentators argue that actually it was a wider group in the church that were gathering, uh, not only to hear back from Barnabas and Saul about their mission uh, in Jerusalem, but also to, to pray and to seek the Lord together. And so it seems that the church themselves had gathered to pray. This was clearly a church that was used to praying. This wasn't new for them. It wasn't an unusual occurrence, I would suggest. And if you look through the book of Acts, and it will be familiar to many of you, I am sure, you'll know that the early church seemed to be pretty good at praying. They seemed to do it quite a lot. And then time and time again we're told of particular occurrences when the church prayed. So, for example, in Acts chapter 6, the church prayed before they appointed uh, some other leaders so that the apostles could devote themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. It was true, certainly, as the church began in Jerusalem in, in Acts 2, as they were gathered there waiting on God, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. The church were praying in that context. It's true of Peter in Acts chapter 10. And now it seems it's true of the church in Antioch in Acts chapter 13. The church had gathered to pray and they were used to it. They were used to praying together. They were good at it. I wonder would that describe us? If we had to write a history of Jubilee, I wonder where prayer would feature in that. Are we a church who are used to praying? Are we a church that engages with God as we pray together? If I'm honest... I think we have probably gone through ups and downs on this one over the years. And I suspect that's true of many churches, actually. But what I want us to do this week is to stir our hearts once again that this week might be an up and it might be a time of engaging with God and really seeking him together. And Kevin's done an excellent job in stirring us to gather together and to meet with one another to pray this week. Please can I encourage you to hear that. And uh, let's be gathering with one another to pray, to seek God. There aren't any life groups happening this week, but we've freed the diary up uh, in a way that I'm trusting serves you so that there are multiple opportunities to, to meet with others this week and to pray together 
and to seek God's face. If you missed the PowerPoint slide earlier, there's some handouts on the table in the foyer that gives you all the locations. It's on the website as well. Let's be gathering together this week to pray and see what God might do as we do that. Number two, it seems that they started with worship because it's while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting that the Holy Spirit speaks to them. They started with worship. Now, confession for you. Too often, I'm in, I'm in various meetings and I say things like, guys, we've got a lot to get through this evening and it'll be great to pray and worship together. So let's just do the diary things first and get them out of the way and then we'll give some time to praying and worshipping the Lord. And I've discovered that whenever I do that, the quick things that I think should only take a few moments and just the diary headlines, other things to catch up on, end up taking the bulk of our time together and the worshipping and praying get squeezed into a few moments right at the end. Am I alone in that experience? It seems that I am. <laughs> but I've learnt now, I think, after many years, that that never works. And it's much better to start with worship and then move on to other things, even if the agenda is very full. And the church here, it seems, in Antioch, had started with worship. They'd started by focusing on the Lord, by looking to him, by lifting their hearts to him, by looking to Jesus. And maybe then that set the tone for the rest of their time together. So as we gather this week, I want to encourage us to start our times with worship. Let's not just start by coming to the Lord with a list. He knows we've got a list. He's seen it. It's okay. But let's not come with our list to start with. Let's come by stirring our hearts heavenward, looking to the Lord and exalting him and worshipping him. Let's put him in the right place in our hearts and our lives in the context of our meeting as well. Let's come ready to worship. Some of the prayer meetings this week aren't very long, so there's not lots of time to get warmed up and into it. So come ready. Come ready to worship the Lord, to look to him, to lift your hearts to him, and to pray and to seek his face. Worship is not the warm-up to prayer. Okay? It's not just a warm-up act to get into it, so now I've sung a few songs and worship, now we can pray. No, no, worship is about glorifying God turning our hearts towards him, putting him in the right place in our lives, declaring our love for him, because he's worthy of it. It's not a warm-up act to anything. So let's come with worshipping hearts. God is after worshippers. John 4 tells us, uh, Jesus talks about the Father being after those who worship in spirit and truth. Do we worship in spirit and truth? Are you a worshipper? Could you be described as such? Have you got a worshipping heart? Let's come together to worship the Lord this week. Our highest value as as a church is to worship God, is to love God. That's number one, before anything else. There are lots of things that we want to be doing. Lots of things that are good for us to do. But number one is this, love God, worship him. It's not just about singing the songs, is it? It's about putting him first in our lives. But let's be coming this week ready to lift our voices to him, lift our hearts to him and worship him and love him. So, they were clearly experienced and used to praying. They gathered to pray. They started with worship and they were fasting. Now, for some of you, fasting might be a regular part of your Christian life. 
For others of you, it may be something new, something that you haven't perhaps uh, tried or experienced yet. And I want to spend a few moments this morning looking at fasting. What is it? Well, fasting is, if you like, a, uh, an action that you take, which is a giving up of food, or maybe something else, but it's normally food, in order for another action to take place. You might say it's a negative thing in terms of giving up food, but to, in order for you to enable to focus on and give time to a positive thing, which is seeking the Lord, worship and prayer. And fasting does give you an opportunity to focus on the Lord, to look to him and to focus on him. And fasting is linked with worship and prayer. So whenever you seem to find fasting in scripture, it's not just there on its own. It's there linked with worship or it's there linked with prayer. These things seem to, seem to go together. Now we'll talk more about fasting in a little while in terms of some practical things. But let me just read you a quote by Spurgeon. C.H. Spurgeon, the, the great Baptist preacher of the uh, 19th century, said this. He said, the church of God would be far stronger to wrestle with this ungodly age if she were more given to prayer and fasting. There is a mighty efficiency in these two gospel ordinances. The first links us to heaven, the second separates us from earth. Good quote, isn't it? The church of God would be far stronger to wrestle with this ungodly age if she were more given to prayer and fasting. So I want to urge us, dear friends, this week, let's give ourselves to the Lord. Let's give ourselves to praying and fasting, to seeking his face, and seeing what God might do amongst us. Number four is this. As you read the the passage we read earlier here in Acts 13, you'll find that God spoke some very significant words over the church there, and over some individuals particularly. Now, actually, my title of the most significant prayer meeting ever is actually because what happened as a result of this, what happened with Saul and Barnabas being sent out changed everything. Theirs was the beginning of missionary journeys that planted churches everywhere it seemed. And we stand here even this morning as a result of many churches being planted and communities impacted because of their missionary journeys. Now clearly it wasn't just them doing it, I know that. There are others involved as well. Uh, Peter had been uh, involved in the Gentile world as well. But this gave such a thrust to the church having a bigger vision than just the Jewish people. Everything changed here. It was such a big opportunity. I doubt if they realised it at the time. And so my fourth point is this. A world-shaking word was not necessarily expected. A world-shaking word was not necessarily expected. You see, I don't believe that this is a prayer meeting that was advertised with the headline, Come and hear a world-shaking word. Or I don't think it was advertised with the phrase, see Saul sent out on his missionary journeys. They didn't know that that was going to happen. They didn't know that God was going to speak such a life-changing word for Saul and for Barnabas, and indeed for the church at large. They just came together to worship the Lord, lift their hearts to him, 
to fast, to hear what was on God's heart, to pray together. And it was in that context that God spoke. Powerfully, actually. Very powerfully. So have you thought about what God might say next week? Have you wondered what God might speak into your heart next week? Maybe the prayer meeting that you're at. What might God say? What might he do? What might the Holy Spirit be doing in people's lives? Tim and I were praying together this week and we found ourselves praying for something that really neither of us had planned for, but it seems that God led us that way. That's often the way, isn't it? You're, you're in a prayer meeting, you're praying together, and so it seems that like God leads you. I wonder, what might God say this week? How might God lead you? What might God do amongst us as we give ourselves to these things this week? Number five is this, they were open to God speaking. So not only were they giving their hearts to him, not only were they praying and fasting and worshipping the Lord, but they were also open to God speaking. Sometimes we can feel that prayer is one-way traffic. We've got this list of things we need to pray for and ask God for, and these situations that, God, don't you know you need to break in here, and all these things that you know we need to answers on. We've got this great big list, and we're there in a, in a meeting or another context, we're praying and asking God for stuff. Actually, sometimes what God wants us to do is to quiet our hearts and speak to us. Your prayer is not a one-way street. It's not just arrows heavenward, like a one-way road, but it's two-way traffic. Prayer is about relationship, isn't it? If you imagine your husband or wife or uh, maybe a, a close friend, if your relationship with them was only one way, if they only ever spoke to you and you never spoke to them, or the other way around, it wouldn't be much of a relationship, would it? It would just be, you know, you getting a whole list of stuff if they were telling you things or the other way around. Prayer is about relationship. It's two-way. God wants to hear what's on your heart, yes. But he wants to speak into it as well. So they were open to God speaking. And in that context, he did. So I want to urge us this week, come expectant. Come expectant that God may speak. God might stir your hearts. just been praying for Matt and Lou a little earlier. I remember the, the conversation I had with them after they'd been at a meeting uh, in another city, in fact, where God had spoken to them about Burton. And they hadn't gone with an agenda thinking, God, you need to speak to me about this. They were just open to the Lord and what he might say. And in that context, he spoke to them quite powerfully, actually. That's why we're getting behind their move and praying for them and looking to start a small group uh, in that town. But let's come expecting that God may speak. Who knows what God might do this week? Does that excite you? Now, this shouldn't be a, oh, I've got a prayer meeting to go to, or I've got to get up early and get to, get to an early morning one, or another prayer meeting. Listen, prayer meetings should be exciting and dynamic, because God's there. So I'm trusting for some exciting and dynamic prayer meetings this week, because God is there, and he could say anything. Maybe he'll speak to you. But as well as that, as well as them being open to God speaking, connected to that, they were obedient as well. Number six, they were obedient to God. This is so important for us to hear. See, it wasn't just that they heard God, they heard and they acted. That's the difference. 
They didn't just hear what God said. They heard God and they acted upon it. So for Saul, who is soon to be known as Paul, this was a life-changing meeting. His life would never be the same again. The direction that he thought he might have been travelling on, God broke in. Now, clearly there was another moment in Paul's life when God broke in on Damascus Road and he thought he was doing one thing in persecuting the church and God had other ideas and broke in and changed the course of his life. That was a fairly significant day for him. He'd look, on, he'd look back on that and think, yep, need to put that one in the autobiography. But listen, this day in Acts 13 was pretty significant as well. This is, this is the start of what Paul was going to be doing in reaching other places for the Lord. So for the advance of the gospel into the Gentile world, this was an incredibly strategic and important meeting. So Saul and Barnabas are sent by the Holy Spirit to begin what we now look back upon and summarise as Paul's missionary journeys. But they started with God speaking, with the Holy Spirit. So I'm expecting that God will speak to us this week. Are you expecting for that? Are you open to God speaking? Are you looking for that? Maybe God will speak to you about another nation. Maybe he'll put on your heart another place. Maybe God will give you faith to overcome a particular challenge that is ahead of you. I wonder what God might say to you this week. Are you going to be just a hearer of the word or a doer also? What might God do this week? Let's trust and obey, as the old hymn puts it. So, what are we praying for? What are we praying for? Well, firstly, in terms of things to pray for this week, I want to suggest it's about your personal life with God. Your personal walk with God. Your relationship with Him. You might say, well, how does a week of church-wide prayer and fasting help me with that? How does it link in? Well, it's a time to refocus on God personally as much as it is to come with him, come to him with things about the church. So I want to urge us this week, let's be recalibrating our lives, if you like. Let's be making sure God is at the very centre of everything we're doing. As we gather to pray and to fast this week, it's an opportunity for each of us to say, Lord, I want to make sure that you are at the centre of my life. I want you to be number one above everything else. So as we gather to pray and to fast, it's an opportunity for you to do that personally. So yeah, there'll be things that we want to pray for as a church, but let me encourage you, use this time, if you like, as a calibration exercise to come before the Lord to make sure that he is at the right place in your life. You see, Jubilee will only be a church that loves God if we're full of people who love God. Jubilee will only be a church that loves one another if we're full of people who love one another. Jubilee will only be a church that loves people who don't know Jesus yet if we're personally loving people who don't know Jesus yet. Jubilee will only be a church that serves the city if we're full of people that have got a passion for the city and for serving it. We'll only be a church that reaches other nations if God has firstly stirred our own hearts about reaching nations and other places for him. All of those things are going to happen as we recalibrate our hearts to the Lord. (laughs) 
and ensure that we're more and more in love with him. You see, otherwise it's just me saying, well guys, we need to love God. Um, We need to love people who don't know Jesus yet. And uh, we need to have a heart for other nations and all these good things. But if it's just me saying it, then it's just, there's no fun in that, is there? (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) But listen, if God has firstly captured our hearts and we're responding to him, and it's his grace that is motivating us, when I say things like church, let's love God, everyone says, amen, let's love God, because he's done something in our hearts. When I say things like, let's love people who don't know Jesus yet, we're full of a church, we're a church that's full of people that says, you know what, I love people who don't know Jesus yet, I want to give my life to reaching them, and explaining the gospel to them, and seeing them encounter Jesus for themselves. You see, it isn't about me trying to say, let's do this, let's do that, but rather, let's be open to God to see what he wants to do and allow him to motivate our hearts by having a fresh encounter with him. That is worth an amen. Thank you for those on the front row here. Hallelujah as well. But it's true, isn't it? So, let me ask you this question. How are you doing in your relationship with the Lord? How's your personal life with him going? How's it going for you? I started last year by talking about the river of God. Some of you would have been with us then. You would have heard me speak about it from Ezekiel 47. That was a bit of a theme for us for the first few weeks of last year. I often spoke of it during the year. And we we talked about it. And and getting back into God's presence, the the river of his presence, and to see what God would, would do amongst us. I wonder, how did it go for you from that point on? What was it like? What was 2000 and... 11, like for your relationship with the Lord. What about reading the Bible? How did that go for you last year? We spoke about that quite a bit at the beginning of last year as well. And uh, I talked about my plan for last year and uh, encouraged you to get hold of this book and to be reading it and allowing God to speak to you through it. As I was preparing this week, I felt I should tell you how it had been going for me. Do you want to know? Yeah, I thought you might say that. Uh, well, I started last year with a plan to read through the Bible in a year. And I talked about it a lot. And I felt that by talking about it, that would help give me some accountability with a whole bunch of people. And uh, some of you were quite good at that and would come to me and say, Graham, how's it going? How are you doing on your plan? Are you, are you reading through? Are you going to get there by the end of the year? And uh, so this is my time for vulnerability and confession. Which we're out of time for, unfortunately. So, uh, <laughs> Listen, for me, up until the summer last year, it went really well. And I had some great times with God reading through the Bible in a very consistent and um, systematic way. And I was, uh, I was on target with my reading all the way up until August. And uh, August was a different month for us. We had a, a great family holiday together for a couple of weeks and uh, then the rest of August was just manic uh, once we came back. And uh, that was a hard time to try and keep on top of it in. And then as we entered the autumn period, if you know anything about church life, autumn term seems to be just mental. Everything happens in the autumn term for one reason or another. And it, it just got really hard. And there was busyness and some other changes that happened. If I'm honest, I never recovered the pace and speed that I got earlier in the year. Now, I was still reading my Bible, <laughs> and it wasn't just staying on the shelf, 
but it wasn't at the pace and the rhythm that I needed to, to read it through in a year. So my honest answer for you this morning is I didn't make it in a year, but I'm still going, and I've recovered some pace and intentionality. New Year's quite good for those sort of things. I'm doing a lot better now, and I'm hoping to be done by round about Easter time. I expect to have finished reading it through once again from Genesis to Revelation. Now, there's two ways of looking at that. The first way is you could say, well, I failed. I didn't do what I set out to do. And that's true. The second way of looking at it is you could say, well, I would have still read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation again in around 16 months or thereabouts. And I would suggest that is better than not reading it through at all. Even though it's taken me slightly longer than perhaps I anticipated, it's been a helpful exercise for me to say, no, no, I'm going to keep going at this and go for the plan as I've done before and keep, you know, keep reading and keep going, not just give up and say, oh, I didn't quite make it by the end of December. So, now that I have been honest and vulnerable with you and I've told you how it's been going for me, we don't have time, unfortunately, for me to ask every one of you this morning, how's it going for you? But if I did, just in your mind, what would your answer be right now? How's it going? Recent research that I was reading this week has shown that reflection on Scripture is by far the most influential personal spiritual practice for spiritual growth. That's what the research shows. So are you reading God's word? Are you reflecting on it? Are you allowing God to speak to you? Have you got a plan to do that? Not just sort of dipping in haphazardly? How is it for you? I want to encourage you, as I did this time last year, get a plan and go for it. Whatever your plan might be, whether it's to read through the Bible in a year or two years or to read through a portion of the Bible, however you choose to do it, Decide on something and go for it. Give yourself to it. Allow God to speak to you. Reflect on his word. I went for a walk in uh, one of my favourite places to walk and pray uh, last week. And uh, I was praying about this message and what I might say this morning. And whilst I was there, God spoke to me a couple of times uh, in my walk about this message and I was walking a few days after it had been really windy remember sort of a week or two ago it was really windy you know this type of wind where you think I hope the tiles on the roof are well nailed down well, not nailed are they but, you know, well secured down you're thinking it sounds really windy out there and so I was walking a few days after that and, and the place that I was, I saw a number of trees that had been blown over. Now, there were a whole load of trees that hadn't been blown over, but there were some that had clearly recently been blown over by the heavy wind that we'd had just a few days earlier. And looking at these, mostly, it seemed to me that the ones that had been blown over, they had very weak roots. They were quite sort of weedy roots, if you like. No matter what the tree might look at, look like, there wasn't much root to them. Clearly, they hadn't gone down very deep. They weren't very strong. And when the wind had come, as it had done in some significant force, they had been blown over. There wasn't enough there to withstand the battering that the wind hammered them with. This year, at some point... You will probably be battered 
in one way or another. Now, it's not that I'm being negative, it's just that life throws some curveballs at us sometimes, isn't it? Some things we didn't expect or plan for. We think, oh, I haven't quite seen that one coming. And we can get battered by different circumstances and challenges that life throws up. It's in those times that you want your roots to be strong. So let me ask you, how are your roots? Are they able to withstand some battering? Are they going down deep into God's word? Are they they strong? Are they drawing on the life of the Holy Spirit? How are your spiritual roots doing? A little later, I saw a tree that had fallen over, another one. And on the outside, it looked really strong. It looked like it was a you know, fairly substantial tree. It even seemed to have some fairly thick roots about it. But as it had been blown over, I could see inside it. And inside, because it was now pulled out of the ground, you could see inside there was nothing there at all. It was just sort of hollow. It's like it had been rotted away from the inside. And to look at it from the outside, you know, you would have thought, oh, it looks like a good tree, looks fairly healthy, got some good roots to it. But actually, on the inside, there was nothing there. Nothing at all. And that can describe some Christians, can't it? You know, to look at from the outside, you think, oh, they're doing well. They love Jesus and giving their hearts, giving their life to serving him. But actually, on the inside, there's nothing there. And for some people, it's not that there was never anything there. It's, there was to start with, but things had got tired or difficult or some challenges had come and things had just got drained away. Or maybe other things had come and maybe sin had got hold of uh, an individual and sort of rotted away the inside. I wonder, what is your inside spiritual life like this morning? For that tree, there was no strength there, no inner life. What about you this morning? Is there strength there in your inner life with God? Is your heart strong to him? I suspect that describes some of you this morning, even here. On the outside, everything looks fine, but inside you just think everything's crumbling away. This morning, I feel God wants to come to you. If that describes you, then I feel there's grace for you this morning. That God wants to come to you. And bring fresh strength to you. That he might strengthen your insights and your life with him. His invitation is to return to him this morning. So, what are we praying for this week? We're praying for our personal walk with God. And also we're praying about some things for the church as well. The different prayer meetings this week have got some different themes that we'll, we'll kick off with. They may get wider than that, but is, we've got some things to get hold of to start with. And it's things like our corporate life with God, our worship, having him at number one in our lives and in the church. Having a greater passion for God's church and love for one another. A greater passion for the lost and those who don't know Jesus yet. It's about praying for our city that opportunities to serve it and bless it, just as we're instructed to in Jeremiah 29. It's about God to stir our heart for the nations, about to pray for some churches in other places as well that we're involved in. It's about giving God the opportunity to speak to us and to lead us. And as Tim and I were praying this week, it's also about praying to God and asking him to send revival to our land. Because if there's one thing that this nation needs, it's a move of God.
Do you notice the theme? Some of those things tie in actually with what we say are important to us. Things like loving God, loving one another, loving those who don't know Jesus yet. So it ties in with things that are important to us. But as well as that, let's give God the opportunity to speak and to stir our hearts and to stir our faith for him this week. So, as I begin to close, let me give you some practical hints about fasting. Because we've said this is a week of prayer and of fasting also. So, if you can, please do fast for at least some of the week. Now, don't expect to do a 40-day fast like Jesus did. Clearly, you're not going to accomplish that in seven days anyway. Um, But for most of us, you know... Carrying on with normal life and work or family responsibilities, something of that isn't going to be, like that isn't going to be possible. But what you can do is fast for a couple of days, or maybe a day, or maybe two or three days as God leads you. Now, fasting doesn't necessarily mean that you give up all meals for a particular time, though often it does. God might lead you to fast for a day and not eat for a day or a couple of days, two or three days maybe. And if you are fasting like that, it's very important you carry on drinking water. So carry on drinking water, but fast foods. Or another way of doing it, you might say, well, you want to give up a particular meal for a few days. So you might fast dinner or lunch for a number of days. Again, that's another way of doing it. You may fast something else rather than food. Something like Facebook or something similar. For some of you, that sounds worse than fasting food. (laughs) Listen, if you're unwell or you're on any medication, please do not fast food. Fast food. Please do not fast food without speaking to your GP. Let's just be sensible about this and, and be wise about these things. If you're pregnant or have any other physical condition that might be affected by your fasting, then again, it'd probably be best that you don't. So don't fast if that describes you. Actually, if you've had problems or issues around eating or eating disorders or food in the past, then perhaps a conversation with your life group leader or an elder first before you start fasting may be helpful to you as well. If you plan to fast for more than one day, when you start eating again, start with some juice and build it up. Don't just stop eating for a day or two and then think, right, biggest steak ever. That will not serve your stomach well. And similarly, if you're going to fast for a a day or two or more, then don't start it by having a a big, massive meal either. That's not going to help you. Eat some lighter meals for the previous few days. It's not an excuse to go for the mixed grill or or all-you-can-eat buffet. But listen, when you fast, use the time to seek God's. His presence, to pray, to read his word. And remember, don't just talk, listen. And your focus, remember, is not your fast. Your focus is the Lord himself. I was uh, reading a book this week uh, called The Hidden Power of Prayer and Fasting by Mahesh Chavda. And uh, he says this, he says, When we humble ourselves before God, our first desire must be for him. We should humble ourselves to seek his face, not merely his hand. We want you, Lord. Above all, we want you. We want your glory and your presence. And he goes on to say how fasting is one way that we humble ourselves before the Lord. So let's be seeking him. 
this week. Above everything else we're asking for, let's be seeking him this week. Perhaps the band can come up, please, as we close. So, to summarise, we're calling the church to pray and to fast this week. Please hear that. Please don't just hear, oh, we're holding some prayer meetings. This is more than that. We're calling the church to pray and to fast and to seek the Lord. And I want to invite you to be part of that over these next few days together. We need him. And this week is about seeking him once again and putting him first in our lives, personally and as a church. So please make some time to pray this week. Please think about which prayer meetings uh, you're able to get to. The details are all on the website. There's some summary sheets on the table in the foyer outside as well. And if you are able, please think about fasting for some of the week as well, as we pray and fast together. And finally, please prioritise the Sunday evening prayer meeting. So next Sunday evening, the Hallmark Hotel, I'd love for loads of us to be packed into that room, gathering to God, seeking his face, worshipping him, and seeing what God might say to us. That's going to be a great prayer meeting, particularly after a week of praying and fasting together. I'm really looking forward to that time. I encourage you to be there if you are able. So can we stand together? And I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the example of the church in Acts 13 there. They gathered to worship and to fast and pray. And in that context, you spoke. And so, Father, I thank you that you spoke then. I thank you that you are the same God today and you will speak now. And so, Lord, we pray that you might speak to us this week. You would stir our hearts. Help us, Lord, to put you first in our lives individually and as a church. Father, we pray for this week of prayer and fasting that's ahead of us. Give us grace for it, Lord. And we pray, Father, that you might be exalted in our times together. Be lifted up. Be made famous amongst us. Be number one in our lives, we ask. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. As we finish our time together, I felt we should pray together as we close. Adam's going to lead us in a song in a moment. Um, but as we do that, I just felt there were a few uh, people to pray for this morning. Firstly, if you related to the account of the tree which had fallen over, and either its roots weren't strong or it's sort of rotten away on the inside, if you think, yeah, that just describes me, or if you think it could describe you and the way that you're heading, then I'd love to pray for you this morning, that you might know uh, fresh grace and uh, God's Spirit at work in your life. Maybe you're not rotted away on the inside, but you are exhausted. And you found that a life you once had with the Lord isn't quite as vibrant as it once was. And again, I feel there's grace for you this morning, and God wants to come to you. I felt for one or two people there was uh, faith to fast and pray this week. If you're thinking, I'm not sure if I can, but I'd like to. And I felt God wants to give faith for that this morning. 
And then finally, as we were in worship a little bit earlier, I felt God speak to me about Him wanting to meet people this morning to overcome negative thought patterns. And if you sometimes find it hard to overcome certain thought patterns in your mind, uh, maybe that uh, speak lies about you and about how God sees you, and I felt God wants to overcome that this morning and break that in Jesus' name. So if any of those things describe you, then as Adam uh, leads us in a song, then if you want to come to the front, there'll be others that will come and love to pray with you and pray for God to break in. He's here this morning, okay? Friends, he's here, God is here, his presence is here. He wants to meet with many of you now. So let's lift our hearts to the Lord, let's stir our hearts, let's look to him, lift our voices to him, and we'll pray for one another before we close. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk.